Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California with my co-host, Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. Good morning. It is morning. It's proper morning. We're doing a legit on-time show. Yeah. I mean, I said 11. It's 11.22, so we're never really on time, but this is back to our, closer to our normal schedule. What is time, Joseph? Time is a construct of the mind yeah you know people living on 24-hour clocks come on what is that i'm getting more to this phase of my life that i really wonder about reality <laughs> and and that's the thing i don't i don't really do psychedelics but i'm really starting to think that way like what if there's a parallel universe that right now at this very moment there's a guy sitting on a couch with another guy who are literally us doing what we're doing well, you know, there's a parallel universe theory that says that there's a million different versions of us doing what we're doing. What? Yeah. That like every, for every single thing that happens, that there's a break point where there's an infinite number of realities. Man. Where, you know, and in, in one reality, it's us. In another reality, you've broken your leg. In another reality, you know. I've had the denting, like the the possibilities are endless. By the way, when you say you you don't really do a lot of psychedelics, you you probably should. Should you should definitely take some mushrooms? When was the last time you ate mushrooms? I think we talked about this before. I've only done it twice. Yeah, it seems reckless. So you're with your all your sound bathing and your I agree and your your Joe Roganing and all your you know you're like prime for it. I know I am. And I started watching a new show, which it's it's a comedy, but it also has me thinking. And I actually did crushed. I binged. I I did a rare Ruther thing. I binged on the new show Upload on Amazon. I've seen previous. It did not intrigue me, but you liked it. Well, like I don't even know if I like it, but it's one of those shows where instead, like when you die, you can upload. Right. I've seen the premise. To an afterlife. It's interesting. It is interesting. And again, they're, 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 it's set in 2033, which again always makes me laugh. Like, guys, come on. 13 years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's put this. It's like 2020 in uh, Back to the Future 2. It's when we were supposed to have hoverboards. Meanwhile, we just have computers in our hand that I'm, we can call each other cucks on. Exactly, but I'm fat. I'm fascinated by like all that afterlife, and I'm. I think why I kept watching, I'm like really, really attracted to the main girl. Find her on the social media. Have your manager call her manager. I don't have a manager. Oh. She's a singer. I. You know what I started watching last night because my my girlfriend was into it, and I tweeted about it this morning. Is there's a show on Netflix called Hollywood? Yeah, it's I about saw Hollywood that. in like the 30s or 40s. One of them, and. uh they really do, uh, as my tweet said, they really do a good job, good job showing the underbelly of how the mu- the movie business works. 
a lot of uh, racism, but they, they definitely explore the nepotism of Hollywood. Unrelated note, uh, Mira Sorvino, Maud Apatow, Rob Reiner, and Colette McDermott, who is uh, Dylan McDermott's daughter, all in the show. Talk about irony. I know. I'm like R- Ryan Murphy just giving zero fucks. So this actress, what is her name? Oh, yeah, Andy Allo. You're all about it. Yeah, she, yeah I am. Well, it's just, I don't know. I, I, again, that, that concept of, like, where do we go? And obviously, you and I are kind of both dealing with that, with, with losing a parent. And so, like, that's been on my mind. So, I don't know. I just find all that stuff. As The older I get, I find myself way more open to things. You know, like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. But we have, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. And I feel like you, you don't like to lead with the last dance. Well, it, I, I just feel like it. I have a lot to say. It, it goes on so long. And, and it's not our fault. You know, like, I feel like if this was the regular sports time, we wouldn't do an hour on the last dance every time. But there's not a whole lot going on, so it's like that's going to be the main chunk of the show. So why not like hit them with the headlines, and then we can do the deep dive on the last dance. Which, you know, just to preview my thoughts, this is where the the last dance uh, did a spread eagle tongue out over the shark last night, in my opinion. Jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that I think it's where it became. They they danced they last danced around it for a couple episodes and I was really enjoying it but last night is where it became a Michael Jordan propaganda film. Well, it became we'll, the loose change of NBA basketball history. Yeah, we'll get to that, and I yeah. agree, and I have very similar sentiments. And to be honest, I don't know where you go for four more episodes, but we'll get to it. But from one former goat to another, ya boy, the Red Rocket, the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton returns to Dallas, Texas, where he was a star quarterback at Texas Christian University. Yeah, boy, Andy Dalton joining the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's a great signing. I think it's a fantastic signing. Uh, I like it for a number of reasons. One, um, you know, obviously, should Dak go down, uh, Andy Dalton, a co- for sure, a competent backup. I mean, sure. he, he's been a competent starter in the in the NFL, so doing the job of backup, especially with all the weapons. Andy Dalton has been good with weapons in the past. Also, you know, God forbid Dak go down. Uh, they they do have Dak on a franchise. It would be going like, hey, we got we got to look at this guy. We get we kind of get a free look at this guy. I'm sure that the Cowboys are are hoping that Andy Dalton doesn't play a snap this year. Yeah. But in terms of backups, I think he's a fantastic one. I agree. I, th- I think it's a great move. It's a one-year deal, three mil guaranteed. He can make up to seven million. It's a smart signing because we see it time and time again. The starting quarterback goes down, rest of the season, completely washed. Yeah. And, and we were talking about that when Tug was over the other night. The Cowboys are – Famous for doing that. Yeah, they're they're famous for having Tony Romo, Dak obviously not injury prone at all, but Tony Romo famously injury prone, 
and they would they would have a rotating cast of backups whose names were a punchline, like the Kitnas and the Castles and the. I mean, did they do Whedon? They did Whedon. Yeah, they did Whedon. Like they've done they've done their fair share of uh, guys. I mean, I, w- one year I believe. Funny how sports make you remember where you were. I believe I was at Walt's house in Cincinnati when John Kitna came from a uh, from from you know teaching phys ed to the starting lineup of the uh, Cowboys against the Giants, and we watched the Giants Cowboys game. Yeah, it is crazy, but I like this, and I also like it because three million dollars, as opposed to the three million could be seven, as opposed to the one million that Jameis Winston got. As for for all the people that are like Jameis went the went, you know where he could be a backup to Drew Brees and get his, like the market is Andy Dalton's worth three times what Jameis Winston is. Yeah, that's the market. Sure, I don't think I don't think Jameis is turning down three million from the Cowboys to go back up Drew Brees, turning down thirty five thousand dollars more from the Steelers. Maybe, maybe. Not turning down three could be seven to go back up Breeze. Now, Tug is feeling good. I don't want to jinx him, but I'll just, I'll just say what he was saying. Oh, wow. You're, you're not even going to let Tug do his own Tug plug. Well, he just he thinks that the, the Cowboys are flying under the radar, which it's tough for the Cowboys to fly under the radar because they're the Cowboys and the name recognition and the press that they get. But... On paper, they, they got a very, especially offensively, a very deep team. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're flying under the radar because, like myself, Vegas knows that on paper, uh, Mike McCarthy's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. True. Uh, like, if you had looked last year at the 49ers, you wouldn't have been like, weapons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, yeah, talent for sure helps be good in the NFL, but I'll take I'll take a great coach over great talent literally 100 times out of 100. There's there's been a lot of teams with a lot of great talent and bad coaches that haven't succeeded. Not a lot of teams with great talent and bad coaches that have succeeded. Yeah, I agree. It's scheme, it's planning. All those things matter. Now, let's talk other quarterbacks. Okay. The Bears have declined Mitchell Trubisky's fifth year. A lot of uh, it's a big statement. A lot of guys from that draft, right? Uh, the, the, their fifth year option coming up. Not a lot of guys getting their fifth year option. Justin Fournette yep. denied. Mitchell Trubisky denied. Is his name Justin Fournette? Leonard. Leonard. Fournette. Why the hell like, did I call him yeah. Justin? Justin Forsett. I don't know, man. Leonard Fournette, yeah. Uh, I, I believe Miles Garrett was the only one of like the top however many picks. Uh, yeah, Trubisky, but we had to see that coming. I mean, they brought in a veteran quarterback to compete for the starting job. I mean, I don't think Nick Foles was brought in just to back up Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. I think that they're going to take a look at those guys. So why why would you pick up his option? I agree. And I, I think Mitchell Trubisky is in no place to – like hold out and not play without a contract. Oh, yeah. He's he's 100% competing. The Bears have made that known. Yeah. This is a quarterback competition. They're both going to be given five of the team's tight ends. 
and they'll see who can complete more passes <laughs> in training camp. Uh, classic Bears. In, in sad NFL news, Don Shula has passed away. He was 90 years old. He is the winningest coach in NFL history. Who has the second most wins? That's a good question. Is he have, he has the most wins of all time, correct? Most wins, two-time Super Bowl champ. And by the way, that was he, they weren't playing 16-game seasons for the majority of his, or for, I would say, at least half of his career, right? I mean, he, he was the Dolphins coach for a while, so they were probably playing 16 games at the end. But obviously, famously, the 14-0 season that went on to be a Super Bowl championship team, the only, right, undefeated. George Hallis is number two. 318. That doesn't work with my joke. I was gonna I was gonna say I wonder if the guy who was number two popped champagne when Shula <laughs> went down. So it goes Don Shula, number one, George Hallis, number two, Bill Belichick number three at two seventy three. Wow. How many is uh how many does Shula have? Three. Three twenty eight. So he's still a fair amount of way ahead of yeah. him. Yeah. What fifty games? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of games. Five, five, ten win seasons. I feel like Bel- Belichick's got that in him. No one else is close currently. Uh, Andy Reid is number six at two oh seven, so he will probably crack the top five. But yeah. Shula, man, I, I mean, I, obviously, we, we both, re- I mean, he coached a while. We remember he coached the Dolphins from 1970 to 1995. Yeah. So we remember him. Yeah, of course. Don Shula, I mean, I was, again, famously, the Dolphins' undefeated season is probably his peak. But the, he had the Dolphins as consistent, I don't, I don't want to say consistent contenders, but definitely consistent winners for a long time i mean you've got the the super bowl team was in the 70s correct yeah and uh then obviously marino comes early 80s that that makes them a a yeah i'll say it a contender for the fair majority of marino's career yeah no they were I didn't know Shula was an Ohio guy. Oh, man, you just got a Shula boner. Are you, are you not mad at me that I made a popping champagne joke? I know you have abandoned Ohio, but you're also circling that you're returned to Ohio, and I know you get very you know, you get very emotional about the state of Ohio whenever you're getting ready to visit, visit, have just visited. You usually come back inspired. And then, of course, Shula's son... Didn't he coach the Bengals? Oh, my God. What a bad hire. Arguably the worst head coach of all time. I think this is how bad the Bengals organization is. It was Mike Brown's first hire as the owner after Paul Brown died. I think his rationale was, hey, this guy's dad is a great coach. His rationale was probably, hey, this guy's from Ohio. Bro, they were, I'm looking at their records. They went through, he really was consistently good. Yeah. I mean, in those Dolphin teams, I'm looking, Prano, from 1980 to 1985, they had one losing season. 
from 1980 to 1985. I'm, I'm sorry, from 1970 to 1985. Yeah. They had one losing season. Pretty good. Like, they were always consistently in the hunt. Man, 90 years old, though. That that good Florida sun. Oh, yeah. He was tan till the day he died. He'll be tan. He'll be tan for a couple years in the ground. Yeah. He always had a good tan. Yeah. Just like Marino. Yeah, you can't help it in Florida. Yeah. You're out during tra- like training camp and just football practice in general. Marino just standing on the sideline, helmet in his hand. Yeah, man. I uh, it, it did bring me back. Just, just it's like it's weird because when these people pass away, like sometimes in your head you think, when I saw that he passed away, you think somebody like him is gonna live forever. At least I do, because somebody because you would read. I can't re- say I thought about Don Shula recently. Well, I had recently seen him somewhere in the last year or two, and you're like, oh, Don Shula's still around, but in your head you're just like, oh, this guy, it's been around forever. It's a tough time to be a Dolphins fan, man. I you think feel. so? I feel. I, I mean, I think that last year, as far as... You think their, there's hope. As far as their plan was, they they had an exciting season while being bad. And, you know, the plan was obviously tank for Tua, which they successfully did because he fell, because he got hurt. Like, they got the guy that they claimed that they wanted the whole time. Um I know we uh, we traded texts with Tug. Tug was mentioned again uh, last week about Dan Orlovsky's love of Tua, but uh, you know they're they're all about it. So if I guess if you're a Dolphins fan, th- there's so many delusional fans in the world. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Dolphins fans are full uh, Mac. Right now, and going like we're going thirteen and three. Was that his name, Mac? That Mac. Owes, that owes us a thousand dollars. Still owes us a thousand dollars. We have a Hall of Fame with two members, and I think another member circling. And Mac's got to be with poop sock. Hall of Shame in the Hall of Shame. Yeah, guys, like it. The easiest way, like <laughs> a, it. it Welching on a bet with the Dirty Sports Podcast is like getting 3,000 hits in baseball. Like, you're pretty likely to make the Hall of Shame. <laughs> yeah. What what year was that he bet us $1,000? I think it was the Jay Cutler season. It was the Jay Cutler season. Jay Cutler, Adam Gase. But was that 2017? Sure. Or 2016? It sounds like, tw- I feel like 2017. I feel like if I had to lean, it would be more recent. 2017. And they won six games. Yeah. And how many say they were going to win? 11? 10. 10. But I think he said 12, and then, like, you guys, you guys, like, worked out a bet, and it settled at, at like, 10 somehow. I'm pretty sure he said 12 and 4 to start. I've never had more confidence in a bet in my life. Yeah, I know. By the way, Dave Shuler, Shula, Don's son, Went nine and fifty-two with the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow! How did he get such a long rope? I mean, that's exactly how many seasons is that? Four and a half. Listen, wow. to, listen to his records: five and eleven, three and thirteen. Three. Wait, <laughs> his first two years he won eight games. 
three and thirteen again. Seven and nine, one and six fired. Wait, what was his record? Overall? Yeah. Nineteen and fifty two. Oh, I thought you said nine and fifty two. A two sixty eight winning percentage. But to me, that is since that My is career batting average. That is since <laughs> that is Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Can you imagine you go five and eleven, then three and thirteen? You're retained. You go three and thirteen again, they keep you around. Yeah. The Browns are like, hold my beer and my Hugh Jackson. <laughs> 19 and 52. We'll put we'll put Hugh Jackson in the ring of honor if he goes 19 and 52. Oh, man. I'm excited. The NFL is dropping the schedules this week, man. Yeah. They're not missing a beat. Well, I mean, this, this has played out the way I said it should. It's like, why change anything now? You have so much time. Like, I don't know why anybody for the most part like i i understand like the wimbledon and the whatever like people traveling to to london for tennis matches and and i'm sure there's a lot that goes on but like on a on a not like singular big event like i understand the kentucky derby having to get canceled like a month out or whatever but like football is this self-contained city by city every team managing its own thing if you're going to change change it a month out. Yeah. Like, you don't have to, ch- like, act now as if it's going to go off without a hitch. And I really think NFL is just going to dominate. I think college football is in limbo. It is. It's not I think. It really is. Because it's not a professional sport. NFL is going to take over Saturdays. This is not a, like, this is real. The NFL, you'll see when the schedules drop, is already saying, hey, if there's no college football, we're going to take a couple Saturdays. Well, I mean, getting to watch football players being paid cash money to play football on Saturday, it'll be like the SEC with different uniforms. Is that supposed to be a dig at me? I'm, I'm a little no, confused. No, it's not a dig at you. It's a dig at the sham that is college sports. But that would be exciting. If you had NFL games on Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, every week for 17 weeks... Ooh. 18 weeks? Well, there's 17 games. Right. And I heard there might not be a buy if they push it. Got it. Everything that's floating around there. But right now, the schedule should go off. That There should be a buy, correct? As of now. Yeah. I am I am going to... I'm keeping my Chargers tickets. Well, you, you also had an exchange with the Chargers who said any games that are missed will be... Refunded to you, correct? Or, or or pushed to the next year? Yeah. Now you got your Rams hat hat on, talking about your Chargers ticket, your Chargers season tickets. At what point do the Rams get shelved? What do you mean? Like you, at some point you've got <laughs> you 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 own Chargers season tickets. At some point you have to become a bigger Chargers fan than you are a Rams fan, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like you know. The we had we had the Andy Dalton playoff debacle. Like there was a while there where the the Bengals were really you know winning a lot of games. They started that downturn. You went to the Rams. Rams in the Super Bowl. Rams missed the playoffs. You buy Chargers tickets. Like I think we see that how this roller coaster goes. Well, no, when a team's down, you know, buy low, sell high. No, we, but we, you're just buying low and selling low. Well, we also know I've made it known why I got the Chargers tickets. Right. 
I mean, it's bang for your buck. You could not find NFL season tickets at the price that I got for the Chargers. My buddy told me, he asked me what I'm paying. He told me my two Chargers season tickets are cheaper than his season tickets for University of Cincinnati football. Right. Who play in the American Athletic Conference. If that puts things in perspective. Not Ohio State, University of Cincinnati tickets are more expensive. First of all, your buddy has University of Cincinnati tickets? Football tickets? Yeah. Wild. You know, local team. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. How many University of Cincinnati football games can you go to a year? Six. I'm selling five of those. They've put out some guys. Yeah. Travis Kelsey. They put out tight ends. I want to say Ertz. Okay. They all play for Chicago, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new joke? Chicago has 36 tight ends. Yeah. I think they have 10 on on roster right now. Who Who has more at one position? Chicago tight ends or Saints quarterbacks? Yeah, Saints are are going for it. at least the at least the uh, Bears can run a two tight end formation. I mean, the Saints. How many quarterbacks can you have? The story came out. And we we shared it with each other. The story came out that they were so stoked to to draft a guy to keep the Panthers from stealing him as an undrafted free agent. It was a quarterback. So they've got they've got their starting. Hall of Fame quarterback. They've got their backup quarterback. They've got their third-string quarterback who they think should be a starter in the NFL one day. And they've got their fourth-stringer who they drafted to save him from the Panthers. I I think it's a reality TV show. I mean, yeah, the quarterback room in New Orleans. And you have some... Just Jameis Winston eating Ws. I was going to say, and you have some personalities. Yeah. Because Taysom Hill is 30... He's Mormon. So, like, you have a whole different dynamic. You have, you have Drew Brees. Drew Brees is mole. Jameis Winston. <laughs> Jameis Winston's posse, including the guy who throws the, uh, you know, heavy bag at him. Yeah. And, and Jameis one of one, of course. Yeah. And then you've got. Uh, Wouldn't even know the fourth kid. quarterback. Yeah, new kid. And then, of course, Sean Payton and his visor. Offensive guru who's going to find a way to work four of these guys. Yeah, I think I think I feel like it's a it's a religious room. By the way, you ever watch? Have you ever watched like the college intramural flag football championships? Like they'll they'll show that on the Ocho every once in a while. Like they get pretty crazy with like they'll, they'll snap it and they'll throw it to some guy and he throws it to another guy like. If Sean Payton's going to have four of these quarterbacks and and claim, you know, St. Sean of New Orleans offensive genius status, I need guys throwing footballs to other guys who throw footballs to other guys who catch footballs and then throw the like I need multiple passes on every play. If they do those XFL, what was the XFL rules? Oh, Tommy Stevens is the last guy. It's it's funny cuz you have like in my opinion three of the whitest guys. Is Tommy Stevens white? Let me see. Oh, yeah. Where did Tommy Stevens go? He played at Mississippi State. Uh, 
Yeah, I like this idea. Reality TV show. Because Breeze is like a big religious guy. Taysom Hill, Mormon, very religious, I right. assume. You know, he did a mission. Tommy Stevens. Went to Jameis Miss- Winston, who did a mission impossible to Publix in Florida. Dun, 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 no, he, no, he just walked right out. Yeah. I, re- I rewatched that footage. I rewatched that footage the other day. He looks right at the security guard and just walks right out. Yeah. Dude, I've been down some rabbit holes. With Jameis? All these guys. Yeah. Jameis, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. I got a lot of time on my hands. You're doing deep dives. Andy yeah. Ruther's deep dives. Facts only. By myself. I'm feeling good, though, because I... Look how look how cleanly shaven my face is, Joe. I can see that. Shaved last night. I did as well, but just the top and the bottom. Just cleaned it up, make sure it was sharp for the show today. Yeah. Well, as you know, I'm sure we both used Harry's razors. I did indeed. The only razor blade that you should be using... Joe and I love us some Harry's. We've been using them for about four years. Love, absolutely love their they have their shave gel, and then they have their is that like a cream? Yeah, that, that you can shave with. So they, they got a lot of great products. Called, yeah, shaving cream. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with certain things today, guys. What I love about Harry's is a lot of you guys are staying inside as you should. They will ship it directly to your house or your apartment or your condo or if you're on Mildred Avenue, your tent, wherever you want to live, guys, they will send it right to your spot. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your your special trial offer at harrys.com forward slash dirty. 100% quality guarantee is what you get with Harry's, guys. Listeners of the show, once again, can redeem that at harrys.com forward slash dirty. This is what you get. The weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. The five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. That rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep you skin hydrated. And a travel blade cover, which I'll be using this week when I head back home, to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Once again, go to harrys.com forward slash dirty to start shaving better today. And send me a screenshot of that promo code and I will send you some koozies. All right, Joe, let's just let's just get into it. Is it time? Let's just do it. I I I'm interested in your before we go. Like I like to I like to keep pushing on. What is this no sports 12 billion dollar cost? What oh, is that? Oh, this was pretty interesting. Did we It's it's like a big in-depth like it's a big in-depth story ESPN did. Already it's the effects of the pandemic on the sports world already. And already up to this point. $12 billion lost. In revenue across all the teams and schools. This is the and, world. Yeah. yeah, schools. Oh, across the world. Youth leagues. That's actually, that's actually lower than I would have expected across the world. Yeah. The soccer and all that. Youth leagues. I mean, this includes this, everything. This includes everything. They're basically saying just the ripple effect of just saying there's going to be no sports. Just the, the pandemic alone. I mean... Just think about how many drug dealers uh, must have lost money not gambling with Michael Jordan playing golf in the last couple months. Shots fired. <laughs> I mean, look, I know what you're saying. Like, you assume there could be more. We haven't had sports for coming up on two months. Twelve bill- That's a lot of money. Yeah. $12 billion. Yeah, that, that works out to $6 billion a month. That's a 60, 
seventy-two billion dollar industry. Sports is yeah, it's got to be more than that, but still. But that that must be like the number that they can like factually prove right now, which yeah is is a gigantic number, no doubt about it. So you that's one industry too. Yeah, that's what I keep reminding people when you shut shit down. You start talking about the the hotel and restaurant industry, the food and beverage, the airline industry, all these industries. We're talking trillions of dollars, people. I'm not saying open everything up, but I'm saying figure some shit out. That's all I'm saying. Figure some shit out. Not exactly Dr. Fauci over here. I'm not saying I know what the fuck's happening. I'm just saying figure it out. Figure it out. That's all I'm saying, man. A lot of conspiracies going back and forth. And that's a great segue to discuss episodes five and six of The Last Dance if we're going to talk conspiracies. I've got my notes. And I got my notes on the board. Can I get some positives out of the way? Yeah. Because I, I got to say, my, my feelings on these episodes were overall pretty negative, And I, uh, I, I really was enjoying this as a... I mean, every documentary is going to have an angle. That's That's something to always keep in mind. Every documentary's got, you know, uh, something that they're trying to prove, something that they're trying to show you. I know Ken Burns was sort of on on the tip a couple weeks ago saying, like, this isn't journalism if it's produced by Michael Jordan's company. And let's be honest, Ken Burns' documentaries, while informational, not that entertaining. Well, look, I agree, but I want to make everyone aware of this because I'd say 99% of the people watching this do not know Michael Jordan's own production company is producing this documentary. In, yeah, in, you know, uh, cahoots with the production company that was that, that shot the stuff and gave it over to the director and all that. So just be aware of that. Obviously, it's pro-Michael Jordan, but just be aware it's slanted and spun that way because it's his own production company. Now, knowing that, Knowing that every documentary has an angle, every documentary is gonna have, be, have its own bias. I still was, I still enjoyed the first four episodes, and I there were certain spots in those four episodes where I was like, well, they really glossed over that, you know. Like a, a great example is, and and they love to do this. This is something that they for sure have like strategized is the way that they'll break something from one episode to the next. I don't know if they were always planning on doing this two episodes at a time, but for example, they did them the Jordan 63 point playoff game. And for people who don't know, for people who didn't grow up during that time or have the background or Wikipedia, the answer or whatever, they didn't say until the next week. Oh, by the way, they got swept that up. That's serious. You know, they like to they like to separate information in like physical time yes. from week to week. So that you go, oh, whatever. Um, that being said, through four episodes, knowing that it was biased, I was still like, I'm enjoying this. For me, this is where uh, it really jumped the shark and became a full propaganda machine. But I do have a couple of positives. First of all, the music is fucking awesome. It's a great soundtrack. Sometimes because I'm tweeting during the episode or I'm reading Twitter during the episodes or whatever, I'll look down and I'll miss the timeline, but I know where they are, 98, 93, 91, 85, whatever, based solely on the music they're using, and that is awesome. Yes. Like, they're not just using stuff that works. They're, not, they're using literally to the year 
if you're listening to a song, it came out that year that they're in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way of, you know, reminding you yeah. this is what was happening. Early 90s, you hear, or you hear Naughty by Nature, you're like, that's yeah. early 90s. Uh, my second positive, a couple great cameos in this episode. One, my uh, my good high school friend Chris Worth and his brother, two of the world's biggest Jordan stands, shot of them uh, during, it might have been the All-Star game, but they're, they're courtside at a Michael Jordan, either, either the Knicks All-Star game or the Knicks game he played. I forget which one it was, but they are a family of Jordan stands, and I was excited to see them, so shout out to my boy Chris. And the other big cameo, a Louis Prano made Donna Karen suit on Patrick Ewing when he comes to the locker room in 1998 after Michael Jordan's last game at Madison Square Garden, a suit he absolutely fitted Patrick Ewing for in 1997 when I met Big Pat at my dad's office during a uh, a suit fitting. So if you go back to that that shot. Uh, of Jordan where he's sitting down after the game and Pat comes in. He's wearing the suit. He's got a little arm. He's got a little wrist brace on. Nice gray DK suit that Louis Prano absolutely measured him oh, and fitted cool. him for. Super cool. That's really I was there. Cool. That was when I met Big Pat uh, officially, like for the first time. Like I'd, I'd met him a couple times like in passing. Like we used to hang out outside their practices and stuff like that and say hi. But this was like an introduction to him. And I'll always remember it because... Was he sweating? No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he was chilling. But I, I'll always remember it uh, for a couple reasons. One, he talked... I, I, It was 97. I was about... It was, I believe, the summer of 97. So I was about to go off to Lehigh. And he was, like, asking me, like, oh, how old are you? What grade are you in? I was like, oh, I'm going to college. He's like, where are you going? I was like, Lehigh. He's like, we played Lehigh when I was at Georgetown. And in my mind, I was like, no way. And I think I was like, really? Are you sure? Because they're not like... They beat him by 70 points. And he was like, no, we did. We played Lehigh when I was at Georgetown. And I looked it up, and they did. And yeah, they they murdered them. But I like couldn't believe it. Because Lehigh is not even a, a scholarship, an athletic scholarship uh, school, the Patriot League. There's a great book about the Patriot League basketball. But I checked it out, and he did. And the other one is, my dad, on his best day, was like 5'5". Five, five. So at one point, he had to like, measure like across Pat's arms, like his wingspan. And he, I think at first he tried to get up on an office chair and it was swiveling. And then like, I think they found him a step stool so he could get up and measure Pat's back. And then no joke, he had to go, you know, arm to arm. So he took one end and then he gave me the other end of the tape measure to measure Pat because the idea of my dad at five, five, even doing a half-ass job of measuring his wingspan was ludicrous. That's amazing. So, so Big Pat in a, in a Donna Karen suit. That was my, those are my, those, and that's it for my positives. <laughs> wow. A, a small list. And uh, Michael Jordan uh, drinking a Miller Lite. They're always drinking Miller Lights. Yeah. Must have been like the official beer of the Chicago Bulls or something like that. It had to be. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed the story behind Nike. That's a cool story. And again, I, th- I don't think a lot of people realized you and I are a little older than a lot of our listeners. I don't think people realize Nike just wasn't a thing. Yeah. And, and I remember when they talked about Adidas, I can remember my, my brother Elliot's eight years older than me. That was the thing. He had Adidas. He had Adidas basketball shoes. They might have been Patrick Ewing ones, actually. Yeah. Big Pat had Adidas. For right? Sure. Yeah. And But I remember that was the thing. Adidas, Converse. Well, yeah. And, and as they showed in the thing, for a while, it was like Converse was 
they they did it in that thing where they were like, everybody's going to wear Converse. Like, we're going to be the official shoe of the NBA. And uh, all the, I mean, you, you talk about just in the commercial they showed, Bird and Magic and all the guys having basically their their colorway of their own shoe. It was not a thing, like uh, David Fox said, for players to have their own signature or anything. That was like, as he said, a tennis thing. And, you know, the idea of a signature model because it was a team sport. Yeah. And no doubt about it, that's that changed basketball, that changed marketing. That changed, the, you, you can't take anything away from Michael Jordan and Nike and together how but they did that. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, and I thought it was – I think it's a cool story of his mom just saying, hey – just go to the meeting. You know, it, it's a good lesson for people. Just, dude, mother knows best. I mean, your mom does. Your mom knows you better than anybody. And, and I think that's a great takeaway from that is listen to your mom and, and the rest is history. I read in 2019 alone, Michael Jordan made $130 million off of the Air Jordan brand. Wow. $130 million in just one year. That's what he made personally. That's great. Yeah. And and honestly, like, even the the thing with, and we'll get into, like, the bullshit thing they did with it, but the even just watching the Jordan 1 and then the progression throughout this is, like, the jordan brand and like the jordan and having a new one every year instead of just saying like here's the jordan and like this is the michael jordan shoe forever and we're gonna like tweak it and make it like lighter the idea that they kept having a different version is brilliant it it made the shoe progress and like honestly it's taken all the shoe companies yeah and made them go like we have to get better we can't yeah. just put out like you know, like I love Stan Smiths, and I and I'm wearing like Van slip-ons right now as like a comfort shoe. But the idea of wearing a a performance shoe from the '80s right now is ludicrous because they just kept getting lighter, better, more durable, more breathable, and that was part of the Jordan. Like we're going to improve this every year thing. And shout out to him for for doing that. Yeah. And, and honestly, shout out to Nike, obviously, for having the. Now I can remember. I, I want to share an early memory of Jordans. I never. I've never owned a pair of Jordans. I've owned one pair of Jordans. And my mom would never pay that money for it. Just plain and simple. You know, five boys. They were never cheap. But I can vividly remember a good friend of mine would get the new Jordans every year. And I can remember being in the first grade. So we're talking like, I don't know, like 87, 88. So he would have been on what, like his third his third shoe at that point? Yeah. And I can remember that friend who I met in the first grade would always get a new pair. And I just remember how cool it was to see him show up to school with the new Jordans. And then the new ones the next year and the year after that. So they did not exaggerate. At all in yeah. that documentary. Yeah. Again, I can remember this as a first grader. Just how, just it, it was just Jordan, and it was just Jordan's shoes. And I can remember I owned a pair of Reebok pumps at one point. 
And like they were cool. They were not Jordans. Right. And, and Shaq was with Reebok Pumps. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah, of course. And and Carl Malone had the LA Gear catapults. <laughs> great that's a great callback but like i i just want everybody especially the young listeners to know like i mean it, it was it was evolutionary yeah absolutely and, and still is so i thought that was really cool uh for me seeing the dream team again the dream team thing was where i'm saying i'm talking about just the team yeah the dream team thing though the the even the beginning of them getting into the dream team that's where i was like uh-oh, we're dipping into propaganda film. The idea that they explore the Isaiah thing, but yet Jordan insists on pretending that he didn't personally yeah. keep Isaiah off. The, you're going like, it's ridiculous. this is ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Like if this was a 60 Minutes interview, you know, no one's letting him get it. They're, they're like, well, what do you mean? You, you, are, Michael, are you telling me that you had a conversation about keeping Isaiah Thomas off of the Dream Team where you and the heads of USA Basketball don't name Isaiah? Like, yeah. It's just so ludicrous to pretend that he didn't like verbally say, if Isaiah's playing, I'm not playing. Yeah. He did, for I, sure. I agree. That was the beginning, and then it just got, it snowballed from there. Yeah. In I, the I, propaganda film. I agree. So it's like, it, it it sucked because also, you have Michael on air saying he thinks Isaiah Thomas is the second best point guard of all time. And then you say, how the hell is he not on the Dream Team? And Michael is still mad about this. It's petty, guys. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. Get over it, Jordan. Get well, o- yeah. This is this is. The, you, you're angry that a guy just. Let's all think about this for a second. You're angry that a guy didn't shake your hands thirty years ago. How ridiculous do you sound? Don't de- and you cannot defend this in any fashion. If somebody doesn't shake my hands, I'm not mad at them 30 years ago. There's no other word but petty. You're petty. I I just I don't under Oh, it it fucking drove him. And the thing about Jordan What does that mean? is that this is more than the tongue out, more than the turnaround, more than the the like at this point Michael Jordan has been doing the petty thing longer than he's been doing anything. He's like the Hall of Fame speech. The every like all he ever does is continue to take shots at people that he felt wronged him along the way. Yeah. And that's that's a whole other that's a whole other like way to like talk about Jordan's legacy. It's s- like, where's this insecurity coming from? I was going to say, I'll say this from like a psychological standpoint. I was watching last night's episode, and now we're six episodes in. I would love to see Jordan talk to a psychiatrist 
or a psychologist. Because I'd love to see Jordan talk to somebody not sucking him off. Because because th- this is the truth. He only does interviews. Like it took like it took him getting his production company tagged onto this for him to do it. So basically, what that means is he has some sort of final cut. I'm sure. Sure. Every interview he does, and there was multiple like kind of like veiled shots at Ahmad Rashad during this. In, in this documentary, even them, even like the joke about Ahmad Rashad getting paid more than you know uh, Bill Wennington or whatever, but like he only did, he only did interviews during his career with a guy who s- stroked him off under the table as they talked, which we've joked about, but it's true. Like again, this isn't about. I don't come at it from an angle of like I'm coming here to diss Jordan because I always love Jordan and. This has brought me so many great memories as a kid who loved Jordan. And I can remember all these games and where I was at. But the truth is, now that I am older, a lot of this, these are not qualities you want to have. I'm just being straight up. These are not qualities you want to have as a human. Like, like guys, you can separate the two. You can separate Michael Jordan, the amazing basketball player, Argue if he's the best of all time, fine. But but these are not qualities you want to have, guys. I gotta say, my girlfriend, you know, she she loves to first of all, she's she's been watching The Last Dance with me, which is great because she doesn't have like a she doesn't have like a point of reference for any of this stuff. So like her questions are I'm finding are incredible. But she's watching our show right now and she texted me. She go she just said MJ is petty like Donald Trump and that's actually a good like you know how he'll be like involved in some other thing and then he's just still taking shots at somebody who has nothing to do with it well it is it, it's, it, it's like crazy narcissism look MJ has great qualities I mean his his drive to win and his work ethic his tenacity like like he has so many great qualities but you can have but like we're I just love, by the way, that you were just in doing that, you were on the back of the Michael Jordan Wheaties box doing the word find game, like tenacity, killer instinct. But but, but no, Jordan did have all those things, all those all those like good qualities and qualities I want as a player, as a coach, you, you, you know, as a teammate. But we also need to like, just in general, now that we're we're doing this, like. We also need to tap the brakes on, like, you know who else had killer instinct? Charles Barkley, who's six foot four, is playing power forward and winning the MVP in the NBA. Like, you don't do that by being like, oh, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, Shaq is literally a one, once, not a once in a generation, a once in an ever guy who's such a freak yeah. that he was like, ah, I'll take days off and dominate. Sure. But, like, you know who, you know who has killer instinct? Steve Nash, who's, you know, six foot four and, and looks like a, a kid that you find at the, the Venice Beach skate park winning back to back MVPs playing point guard in the NBA. Like the idea that Michael Jordan is this guy who's got like the tenacity. It's like takes tenacity to be in the NBA. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But what I was trying to kind of say, Joe, is human beings are complex. We all agree. You and I are the same way. You have good qualities, you have bad qualities. I have good qualities, I have bad qualities. I certainly see a lot of myself in Michael Jordan and going like, he's not letting shit die. 
Like Michael Jordan is definitely. And you see, know. that's not me. Yeah. That's what's been tough for me as a guy who like grew up adoring Jordan. I one of my better qualities is I'm not stubborn. I don't hold grudges. So for me, like I'm always the type of guy if I'm having a beef with somebody. <laughs> you literally asked Dylan Mata to write you a handwritten letter last episode. <laughs> that's one exception. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but that's not. You're like, and I need him to seal it with a wax like stamp and send it via carrier pigeon. Yeah, but but that's somebody who's pushed and prodded for years. Yeah, this isn't that's Isaiah Thomas to Michael Jordan. But that's not that's the the Isaiah Thomas thing was over a handshake. Yeah, Uh, and over the bad boys Pistons beating him up and shoving around and whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Like, but again, he bailed on that whole thing when he had Dennis Rodman on the team. Yeah, but but that's my point about about this. It's. What I've just found confusing and in a way mind-boggling, right, is you see people on social media and, and you, you would see the same thing with Kobe because obviously the Kobe-Jordan comparisons are going to go on till the end of time. What is confusing is you take an attribute that is traditionally negative, not something you want to be attributed to, and it's now spun into, yeah, he had that. And it helped him win. It's like, well, no, he's a fucking dick. Well, I mean, that that that's something that again, like what? That's something again. And I know you hate that I like can't stop doing the LeBron MJ thing, but that's something that we've seen even in Michael Jordan's on court play and in Kobe Bryant's on court play is like from the first second that you play organized basketball till the end of time, a coach is going to be like. Make the right play. Share the ball. Find the open guy. Like if you play basketball at, at four years old, it's like you if you go play for the Redondo Beach Killer Whales, Chris Wilde is going to tell you, hey, pass, find the open guy, pass the ball. And Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant are lifted up by people who are like not passing and punching your teammates in the face and taking that shot. That shows how competitive you are. And meanwhile, LeBron James is killed for like – getting the whole defense to swarm on him, throwing it to a wide-open Kyle Korver and Kyle Korver missing the shot. It's like at some point you need to raise your teammates up and and empower them to do whatever. And by the way, we've seen this with Michael Jordan – with Paxson in the Lakers series, in Paxson in the in the Sun series, like he did this, and yet people act like this is some sort of bitch move thing to do. They when it's like it, when it's like the absolute best thing to do. They literally dedicated half an episode to Jordan finally learning to adapt his game to the triangle, and 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 Joe's right. Like th- this, I'm taking over the game. And by the way, Jordan did that a lot, and he crushed it. I mean, he averaged 40 points in the Sun Series. Still the highest points per game for an NBA Finals. But I, I agree with you. And, and I think there's there's just so many things that I don't know why people people are not infallible. And we want to we wanna look at these icons and people we revere. That's what they say, right? Don't meet your heroes. Guys, we have flaws. Humans have flaws. Michael Jordan has flaws. Yeah. Let's I, I want to keep going into like because again, I was really thoroughly enjoying the stock until these two episodes. And I and I hope it comes back around to like I, I'm I'm fearful that it won't. But 
it really to me jumped the shark and I and I've just got a list of things that like really made me made it hard to watch. I mean, everything in a way in this ep- in these episodes was cut just like it really just became a propaganda film to me. I mean, the Dream Team Bulls versus Tony Kukoc storyline uh, to me was like, they've got Michael Jordan in his interview going like, and then I told all the Dream Teamers like, Kukoc, leave him for me and Scotty. Cut to five minutes of clips where only Scotty's guarding Tony Kukoc. Like this, this idea that like Michael Jordan was going to teach him a lesson. Well, Scottie Pippen taught taught him a lesson, that's for sure. And this goes back to again the the like it your why are you including that when you don't have the when you don't have the film to back it up. The film is there. You can't deny you showed us clips of the dream team. It's Scottie Pippen locking down Tony Kukoc. Sorry Sam Tripoli, M- Michael Jordan doesn't always guard the best guy. In fact, he never does. It's his buddy, his the guy who he only ever won championships with, who guards the best guy. Tony Kukoc got sunned by Scottie Pippen on the Dream Team Olympics. Michael Jordan is in one clip playing help defense and getting a steal. Otherwise, 40 clips of Tony Kukoc not being able to score a point, all with Scottie Pippen on him. Yeah. Like th- that's where it's like, hey, if if this was Michael and Scotty shutting down Tony Kukoc. Show me the footage, man. Well, I was also disappointed, and I've said this. Kukoc was such a key. He was the third banana on that second three-peat as far as offensively. He won the six-man of the year. And hopefully, again, I'm hopeful that they get to that, but it doesn't seem like they are. And it's, it's this odd... Like, we're shorting Kukoc. We all know how important he was to those Bulls teams. If you grew up, you knew that. Again, I've made the comparison. I think it's a great comparison of what Lamar Odom was for the 2009-2010 Lakers teams. And their numbers are actually eerily similar. I put their up, games are eerily similar. And they're both the, left-handed. Yeah, the lefty, the, the, the stretchiness of it, the length. It's, it's like... Those Lakers teams don't win back-to-back titles without Lamar Odom. And I'd argue those Bulls teams don't three-peat without Kukoc either. So, you know, you know, for somebody who just enjoyed those Bulls teams in general, the whole makeup of them, it's been disappointing that the only, the only I, I don't even want to use the word love because it's not love, like the only mentions of Kukoc is Scottie Pippen teabagging him. Yeah. And then, and this this goes on to the the Horace Grant thing when they get into the Jordan rules in this Jordan rules book. Something that like, if if you love this and if you're a, a basketball fan and you're learning a lot about this stuff, take the time to then like, after it, like, get on Wikipedia or or just like Google some things because they do this whole thing of the Jordan rules and who's responsible for talking to the author of the Jordan rules and sharing all this information and multiple people throw Horace Grant under the bus. Horace Grant completely denies it. Oh, and also here's something not mentioned in this Michael Jordan propaganda film. The answer is out there. It's been revealed. The author and many people are on the record. It was Phil Jackson the whole time. Phil Jackson, whether he was being honest with this guy or 
backdoor using this uh, to play mind games with his own own team to motivate them or backdoor mind games to get Jordan off of his, you know, selfishness tip or to be a better teammate, whatever it was, it's already been revealed. It was Phil Jackson the whole time. And that's not even mentioned in this because the angle of this Michael Jordan propaganda film is that Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson have a relationship unlike any other. And Michael Jordan won't do anything without Phil Jackson. So the fact of the matter is, even though this is common knowledge to anybody who's done the research, is that Phil Jackson was behind these anonymous quotes. It's not even, we're not even talking. And we're, not only are we not talking about it, we're still throwing Horace Grant under the bus. Yeah. That's, to me, like, dude, this is your teammate. This is a guy you won three championships with. It's the guy who kicked your ass and got carried off the court when he was on the Magic because he was pissed off that you threw him under the bus. Like, at some point, the pettiness, you have to own up to it when you've been proven 100% factually wrong. And that's where, like, that's where I was like, man, this is now, this is, you know, this is a propaganda film. Yeah. This is a Michael Jordan legacy boost. Well, for sure. And I'm going to get into more of that. I do want to address the Michael Jordan not caring about social justice stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have Michael Jordan's back on this. Okay. I, I think I think it's not always easy. It's, it, it's funny. People say it's more difficult to put yourself out there. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, though, is kind of what I'm saying. Like, like, I respect whether it's Michael Jordan or a celebrity or whoever, people who keep their politics to themselves. I, I, like, I respect that. And obviously 2020 is a lot different than the 90s because there wasn't social media. But I respect it even more now, to be honest. Every athlete and Paul every athlete and celebrity and actor wants to tell me how they feel I, like I don't I don't give a shit most of the time does that make sense so like in a way but you are very critical of LeBron James and the China thing because of how of what he said which was basically to which was basically and by the way I'm critical of LeBron James but I would have been critical of Michael Jordan and I would have been I'm I'm the opposite kind of guy like but you know why I was remember why I was critical of LeBron because he's stood on this soapbox about other social justice issues and then when it came to China he suddenly is silent so so, so I'm either all or nothing like if you, if you're going to be social justice be social justice or you can be a guy like Michael Jordan. That's what I'm saying. That, that's why. I, that's why I respect it. Like, but again, we're talking about, and we've we've discussed this off air. Is it's a a million percent different. Every single thing that happens in culture and in sports and whatever all get tied together and shared. Like, you know, l- like let's let's talk about uh, all like. All the Clippers of all time who just like let Donald Sterling be, like, be whoever they wanted. But then when it comes out to the public that Donald Sterling's an asshole, now they have to answer for it. Well, I agree. It's like it's hypocrisy. Yeah, of course it is. But also like 
you could say again in an owner in in an ownership situation, it's like everybody knew about this, but no one did anything. But then once it's like leaked and everything happened, now now all the players are being asked about it. Now they're forced to act and they're forced to go lay their jerseys down in the middle of the court and wear black t-shirts for shoot around. You know what I mean? This it's not Michael having to answer one question in 1990 is different than any basketball player having to answer 50 questions about every single thing that's happened. No, I I agree. But my point is I totally understand and see Michael Jordan's point of view when he says things like Republicans buy sneakers too. And also when he says, I was focused on being a basketball player. To me, you can't fault the guy for that. Now, obviously, it's a little different because I'm a white guy. Now, he, he said oh, he said that quote in joking and in jest, and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, just in him putting together the words for that quote, what he's saying is like, money first. And that's his prerogative, though. Right. And that's every single guy in the NBA not speaking out about China. But again, it's different, though, Joe. It's it's. It's different. There are NBA guys who have not spoken out about social justice issues. That doesn't bother me. So they don't have to speak out about China. I, I, I use guys like LeBron or Steve Kerr. The Michael Jordans of today. Yeah. Who are so... But but it's true, though. You Dude, if you're going to have social justice issues, again, that's fine. But I have a feeling if they had asked Steve Kerr about that stuff back in the day. But no one's talking to Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr is the sixth guy on the bench and, you know, whatever. But, like... My my point is, it's a totally different world. I agree. But the, but the fact of the matter is, Michael Jordan's stance on it, and he said, I donated, my mom asked me, and I donated money to the campaign or whatever. I just did it quietly. That's fine. But the bottom line is, it was a business decision. I'm not going to get involved because this hurts my bag. I agree, and I have no problem with that. Okay, that's fine. But it's just hold that standard for everybody. It You can also say, hey, these guys today, a lot of them jump into social issues, but they stay out of it when it affects their the their pocketbook. But LeBron was not transparent, and at least Jordan was. Jordan had the quote, Republicans buy sneakers too. He's at least being honest. But hey. even he says, he didn't, it's not like he gave that on the record. He gave it on a bus. He gave it as a joke. He's also trying to you know backpedal a little, in my opinion. It, uh, all, the, all, all the more... Proof. He's but, not even. He's not even being honest with himself. But I said, I've said about LeBron. From and by the way, Michael Jordan throughout this documentary, we have a number of things which I want to talk about. Like he does a lot of like, he says a lot of super asshole shit, and then realizes this is a documentary happening, and like, ah, I mean, you know, just 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 goofing around. But I said, I also said to bring it back to the China thing. I'm on record saying I'd have no problem with LeBron or any of these guys to say. Hey, I don't want to mess with my bank account. I'm on record saying that. Yeah, but, but these days it's a to- that then that's a whole other story, right? You can still be honest. Well, anyway, I, I don't want to digress too much on that. I just wanted to discuss that briefly because I thought that was an interesting part of the documentary. And you are bringing up good points, which brings me to my next point that I had here about Jordan and social media and that age. Uh, you, you know, guys, we joke a lot, and even we've done it a lot on this show about Kevin Durant and burner accounts and soft and all this shit. But, dude, at the end of the day, 
we see the microscope that Michael Jordan was under. It's nothing compared to now. No. And 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 but I but I want us to remember that all of us we should be aware because I I lose track of that too when, when we're critical of these athletes. Every move they do is just magnified with social media, with TMZ Sports. I mean, even just in the coverage of the games itself, I mean, you 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 talk about like if you put in Michael Jordan flops into YouTube, there's plenty. There's plenty of Michael Jordan flopping, but there's also like there's not there's not a camera on every single thing that happens. Like the LeBron James flopping when he gets hit with a pick at midcourt and then they we've seen that for a million there we play there's an era of basketball now where there's a camera on every guy at every time there's one angle of Charles Smith's four missed layups like in in today's basketball we have the angle where he's clearly fouled on the third one that we never get to see because they only have the one angle of it and you have to pause it on YouTube to to see the the blatant hacking of his elbow but my point is like even just on the basketball court, the 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 microscope of what these guys do, yeah, the the Rodman shove of Scottie Pippen, like in today's era, like that's a that's a weak story. Sure, it's a week long story about like is he out tantrum? The the dirty Pistons. Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 a totally different world. So and to me that brings in this whole notion of just toughness. Like there, there's different levels of toughness. For someone, for anybody, physical, emotional, mental, to be under the microscope that athletes and so like celebrity, anybody in the limelight, to be under the microscope that we're under now, that is mental and emotional toughness. I don't care what anybody says. And and you know, look at this. We're now at the point of the documentary, right? Where Michael Jordan, depending on let's go with let's go with the on the record story, Andy. Forget the gambling, forget the dad stuff, forget all that. Let's go with the on the record story. Michael Jordan was physically and emotionally spent from all the fame and all the things that he had to do that he quit basketball. This is a guy who is under a f- under far less media scrutiny than 20 basketball players today and he's the toughest guy ever he's he's got his feet up smoking a cigar in the hotel like I think I'm done I don't think I can take this anymore this is the guy that we're calling like Mr. Ultimate Competitor the media broke Michael Jordan if you go with the on-record story, the media coverage of Michael Jordan's gambling by f- five news cameras broke him, broke his will to play basketball. You know, it, it's a fair point. It really is. It's a fair point that I think everybody should think about, and I thought about that too. These guys could never handle the 90s. They could never handle newspaper reporters with pen and paper. How about Every single person alive being a cameraman, filming you everywhere you go. Everywhere. How about 
the idea that you can't have a phone call or message to somebody without the possibility of somebody hacking in and stealing your information. Imagine or Michael taking, or taking a screenshot. Yeah, imagine Michael Jordan's phone calls being hacked. He he couldn't handle the pressure of the media if you believe the if you believe his story. And look, I don't diss him for that because I know me I thought I thought about that. I tried to put myself in his shoe when I was watching that. I tried to always put myself in someone else's shoes, and I thought about that. Like I could understand, of course, and I totally empathized with Jordan. This is not a dig at Jordan. I just want to clarify. What it's a dig at the people who are like, yes. yeah, no one was ever tougher. Well, other people who didn't quit basketball because of media pressure are, by definition. Thicker skinned and tougher. That's it. Argue it. Like, who's the other person on the other side of this argument? If the media can break Michael Jordan, but the media is not breaking Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, like, then they're fucking tougher. I mean, it really is a fair discussion. It is. And and and, and, and NBA I, players today have it. Bill Simmons is Kevin Durant's Ahmad Rashad. Kevin Durant only does interviews. He only does two-hour-long interviews with Bill Simmons where Bill Simmons refuses to ask him about burner accounts, refuses to say you were soft for leaving your team and and going to join the Warriors. They, they handle it in the same way, right? Sure. But again, Michael Jordan quit twice. And look, that's not a dig. To me, that's not even a dig on Michael Jordan. I don't even want to use the word quit. I mean, I guess that's what it is in a sense. He left the game. But Joe does have a good point, which I can't hammer home enough of this idea that they're going to put the narrative in this documentary. That's the narrative that Michael Jordan and the producers want to put out there that he couldn't handle it anymore and they're setting that up right now. It's obvious. And and they're also and that's they're also setting up like this is what they do in this document. This is why the this is why episodes 5 and 6 jump the shark. They they're doing a lot of showing certain things that you think are to show you Michael Jordan's personality, but they're really to protect other aspects of it. They show him throwing quarters and showing his competitor and he and he must win at cards and he and he's going to go up to the front and he wants he wants John Paxson's dollar cuz he's so competitive and this is setting you up for he just insists on competing that's why he plays golf with drug dealers for hundreds of thousands of dollars and pays them off it's not that he was a, a degenerate gambler it's not that he had to go to Atlantic City at 2 in the morning it's that He's the ultimate competitor. He can't he can't sleep at the Plaza Hotel in New York knowing Atlantic City's down there. They just got money. They're willing to give away. If you got money, I need it in my pocket. And, and it's like we're going to do a half hour on the competitiveness of Michael Jordan. I don't need to see Michael Jordan throwing quarters with the mayor. We know he's competitive. Yeah, we get it. I have to address all this. Again. It's a Michael Jordan production company that's putting this out with ESPN, with Netflix. But guys, let me just spit some facts here. Because 
there is a lot that even I have learned or refreshed my memory because I was 12 years old when a lot of this stuff happened. Guys, I want to take, because this is what I've enjoyed doing with Joe on our show, is take what happened then and kind of, it's funny how they like to fast forward in the documentary. Let's fast forward that to 2020. Whether it's fair or not, I think it's kind of fun and interesting to do. They left out a lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff they that they did leave out, really, they didn't delve into. Right, yeah, Joe? Yeah. So here's some quick facts. Jordan's gambling was such an issue that the NBA appointed a former federal judge and U.S. attorney in 1993 named Frederick Lacey to look in to see if Jordan broke league rules. That's the first thing. Take LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, anybody. Think about that in 2020. If the NBA appointed a former U.S. federal judge to look into allegations because the gambling was There's so bad. There's more media coverage of Steph Curry's wife saying the NBA is fixed than there was that there was a federal investigator hired. Hired by the NBA. To see if Michael Jordan's gambling was problematic for the NBA. And by the way, this is all out there. If any of you guys want to read this, I find it fascinating. Sports Illustrated did a great article in 1993. This isn't conspiracy. These are factual investigative reporting that's also was basically put out there. This is what they found. These are the two major things that this former judge Lacey found. The first, which they discussed on the documentary, is that... I'm going to do a documentary called Dancing in the Dark. The the last dance expose doc. Ten parts filling in all the dark areas that the last dance didn't cover. But this... Is, I, and I've tweeted this out. Guys, this isn't about me shitting on Jordan. This is what I find fascinating. Like, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a curious person by nature. This is what I find fascinating. This stuff. This doesn't mean I'm saying Jordan's a bad person. But it's very interesting that Michael Jordan, the biggest athlete in the world, gave a $57,000 check to a convicted drug dealer. I mean, I mean, that's, guys, that's absolutely fascinating. Not only did Jordan give a $57,000 check, he lied about it. Why is Jordan... And then if people asked him about it, he refused to stop talking to the media and quit basketball. So these things are all fascinating. He lies about it, because he owed the guy money. He was a convicted cocaine trafficker. Here's the second bombshell, which they don't mention, which I also find. Like, what? $108,000 in checks from Michael Jordan were found in the briefcase of a slain bail bondsman named Eddie Dow. So to repeat, <laughs> this guy die, dies. Let's put it in quotes. I don't know how he dies. Was he murdered? Who knows? Hillary. But regardless. Come on, it's the early 90s. Yeah. Clintons are on the come up. Jordan. In his briefcase. Bill Clinton's an NBA jam, but Michael Jordan isn't. I'm just saying, put the pieces together. In this guy's briefcase, Prano, is $108,000 in checks from Jordan, and he was a bail bondsman. So, so we have two major connected like what like again for a lack of 
anyone else. Let's just say this is LeBron James because he's the best player in the world. Can you imagine in 2020 if it was leaked LeBron had paid a convicted cocaine trafficker $57,000 over golf and then also a dude who dies. They found $108,000 in checks. Guys, connect the dots. I'm not saying that Michael Jordan was forced to retire for a year, but this is some shady shit. Whether he was or he wasn't, what are we talking about right now? Also, that was that was another thing that was in my notes is like that I got to say the David Stern soundbite was probably peak cringe for me in the two episodes. David Stern just in a post commissioner at some point in probably in the year before his death doing a Michael Jordan polish job was was peak cringe for me. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, we looked into it and we found eh, it was fine. Okay. All right, David Stern. It just to me it doesn't add up. It just doesn't. And and everyone like guys, again, I'm not grabbing this from a YouTube video. This is documented information that the NBA had hired a federal former federal judge like this notion that you know who that investigator was by the way Leroy Smith still out to get me years later that's why he's disappeared he's gone underground with the US government he's just out to get me it's just to me it doesn't add up like and I think a lot of people agree that he suddenly was broken by the media lost his will to win and just needed a year off. And even even the documentary, I found it interesting. In the documentary, Michael Jordan says he wants to spend time with his family. He wants to step away from the game. I would totally respect that. But then you played baseball and the media frenzy was just as big. So what? Yeah. What? And you're yeah, and you're in Birmingham, Alabama, and you're playing, you know, hundred and forty games a year. And you're like, yeah, it was absurd. It was absurd. Absurd. But that that's again that's why that's why we delve into like like the beginning I felt like the beginning parts of this documentary it's like okay yeah it's a Michael Jordan polish job but it's still showing his career coming up and whatever but now we're hitting the portions of it where it's like well now we're just covering you know we're covering the parts of Michael Jordan's career that he he clearly like lied to people about and we're and also, we're adding other stuff on top. Like, I don't know why we're we're why we're adding certain things if we're Michael Jordan. We have footage of you lacing up your sneakers for the last game at Madison Square Garden. We have you putting on your socks. We have you taping your ankles. We have the post game meetup with Patrick Ewing after that. And then you throw in that your feet were bleeding. And there's no footage of and that. And there's no footage of that. None. None. Nothing. We have we have the shoes going on, the socks going on, the pre-sock going on, the wrap going on. We don't have your bloody feet when you took them off. They were bleeding. You didn't go get the documentary crew in here. We've got you playing quarters with your security team. We've got you handing out tickets. But we don't have the bloody feet. The bloody feet. <laughs> My feet were bleeding. 
There's more footage of Michael Jordan guarding Tony Kukoc on the Dream Team, one clip, than there was of Michael Jordan's bloody feet after he wore his Jordan 1s against the Knicks. I'm not saying Jordan didn't have bloody feet. I am. But. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying Jordan didn't have bloody feet, but. Show me the receipts, bro. Yeah. Until I see video or Kurt pic- Schilling at least yeah. took the time to put it to hit his sock with a magic marker. Yeah. Give me something, bro. Give me something. And 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 that's that's my problem. It's it's people watch this with a blind eye, and you you see what are deemed media people. Because I look at the tweets. People who write for major publications a lot of times are just, they're just eating this, they're just eating this Wheaties up. And you're like, guys, you're not asking questions like, like, but that's because, I mean, you look at like even the guys who are featured in the, in the documentary, the guys who are featured in the after show, the whole thing. I mean, it's an ESPN production. If you like, you get Wilbon on there to just suck off Jordan the whole day. It's like no, like I I imagine that the guys that would have wanted to say anything or the whatever, like they're just not. You're not allowed to be a part of this. We're not interested. The Michael Jordan gambling stuff and his connections to former drug dealers and a bail bondsman who gets killed and has all these checks. I'll tell you what, guys. That's more fascinating than any of this shit. Any of this shit. If if you look, the Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra, Vegas, cool. Like there's some fun stories. But guys, if you don't think that this is a more interesting documentary, the one that I want to see, the dark dance, what are you calling it? <laughs> yeah, dancing in the dark. Dancing in the dark. The the true story behind the last dance. I, I, a DSPN 10 part series. I mean, guys. Let's not forget. I Nick Delsandro, I need a trailer for this yeah. immediately. Let's not forget. Follow the money. You always follow the money. I, I've been DMing a lot with Jesus. That's what we talk about. You always follow the money. Guys, follow the money here. You know why this shit ain't ever happening or leaking? I mentioned it earlier. Michael Jordan made $130 million last year. Michael Jordan has the money, the power, and the clout to make sure none of this leaks. But we, we, we got little nibbles, and we got enough. We got the breadcrumbs. We have enough to say, hey, there's a full documentary here. I mean, pe- look, people are out of their mind to not even question this. I feel like I'm the only one, and you are the only one question. Like, I- I'm kind of going crazy right now. No one's like, dude, he's hanging out with drug dealers, giving them money. People- I like I like us doing the, the dancing in the dark and exposing it. And every time we do a thing that exposes something from the last dance, we do the Bruce Springsteen, Courtney Cox dancing in the dark dance. It just cuts to us dancing in the dark. This gun's for hire, <laughs> and it killed Michael Jordan's father. I haven't even talked about that. Yeah, and they haven't talked about that. But that, but that's my point with this. And and look, we're so sports deprived. I'm gonna watch this fucking thing, no matter what. I'd watch this if it was about fucking Eddie Jones. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't give a shit if this was if this was Eddie. Jones. If this was the first dance, the Harold Miner story I, about Baby Jordan, I'd watch this fucking ten part documentary. I'm so sports deprived. But the point is, this. And I knew it in the first couple of episodes. This is where it went. 
where it was sad trombone fucking where it went, where it became a full propaganda film. And that's something that I'm here to tell you. If you're the kind of person that likes to know the truth, you must keep that in mind specifically for these two episodes. But going forward, when we haven't gotten to Horace Grant leaving and beating them, we haven't gotten to Michael Jordan quitting basketball the first time. We haven't gotten to Michael Jordan's father's death. We haven't gotten to Michael Jordan playing baseball. We haven't gotten to a lot of stuff. We haven't gotten to the the coup coach Scottie Pippen in the and the Bulls without Michael Jordan, right? Like I just be prepared for that to just be glossed over. Yeah. That they won two less games. That that Scottie Pippen got MVP votes. That they were fucking fine. My takeaway is this. I have been thoroughly entertained, like I said. Yeah, again, I'd be I'd be entertained by Harold Miner's 10-part documentary at this point. I, but I've been thoroughly entertained because I was a guy who grew up loving Jordan, admiring Jordan, like most people. And I still have so much love and admiration for Michael Jordan. That doesn't take it away. But again, this shit ain't nearly as interesting as all this other stuff surrounded with Jordan and... It's funny because there's a lot of conspiracies out there that you can be like, well, there's just too many holes in that. Like this one, there's just not. Like there's just not. Like the people's like, oh, conspiracy theorist. Like, like last night I found myself. And by the way, again, just go back to like the if we're if you know the Jordan legacy thing, which everybody like loves to hold Jordan on the pedestal. The Jordan legacy is almost toppled more by the story. That he that they do give than the story that probably is the truth. And by the Michael way, Jordan beaten down by media and playing three consecutive finals, physically beaten down from going to the finals three consecutive years, and mentally beaten down by the nineteen ninety mid nineties level of media coverage. That's almost more of a knock on the Jordan legacy than I left because David Stern forced me to because I got my dad murdered with my gambling debts. It's honestly maybe more of a knock. I agree. And I don't care that Jordan Gamble, by the way. None of that bothers me. Of course not. I love the gamble. Yeah. I don't care that he was. And by the way, he didn't. But he he clearly had a gambling problem, but he also had the gambling money to cover it. Exactly. I don't care. And I don't care that Michael Jordan was out of Atlantic City gambling. Yeah, of course not. Because you know what? At the end of the day. He performed. I've said that all along. As an athlete, I don't care what you do. That was always my thing. Gronk can go do keg stands all night, but if he shows up for the Patriots or now the Bucks and catches six balls for 100 yards and a touchdown, I don't care what you do, but you better perform. When it affects your performance is when I have issues for these athletes. But if it doesn't, I don't care. So this isn't about me trying to stand a moral high ground. I don't stand that. I don't do that, I should say. But this notion that we're just going to brush like wild shit under the table, which again, just to bring it back, Joe, like I was saying, to bring it back to 2020, just the thought, the thought of any of these guys in today's NBA being connected with the stuff Michael was connected to, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, or just, again, or just the thought of somebody... Saying exactly what Michael Jordan did. LeBron James saying, like, look, going to playing every summer all the way through the finals, 
for five straight years, six straight years, seven straight years, eight straight years, nine straight years, including a couple of Olympic appearances, has broken my will, and I can't play anymore. Sam Tripoli would do a four-hour episode on the vagina of LeBron James. If LeBron James just said, I'm physically and mentally exhausted from going to nine straight NBA finals. Exhausted from not even guarding the best player on the other team? How dare you? I've said what I can say, and again, I'll watch next week's, but it's full propaganda at this point. Yeah. This is that was the that was the weekend where that was the Sunday night where it jumped the shark to me. Uh, and 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 again, I'm not a Michael Jordan hater. I'm a Michael Jordan truther. It's just like let's just all be honest with what we're watching and stop being the people that are out there like trying to like treat him like you know he's some sort of god. Well, well, well. My point is this again to bring it back to just humans. We're so multi-layered, and there's so many different aspects of a person. And that's what this is showing, in, in my opinion. All the great things and wonderful things Michael Jordan was as a basketball player, as a person, he can have those, but he can also have these skeletons. They can both exist in in the world. And, and that's what I want people to see, at least anyone who listens to our show— I want you guys to realize, like, for me, this isn't about me trying to knock somebody or put them down, but it's about to, it's about shining a light on just some truth. And there's a lot of unfinished stuff that really sucks to not be addressed because you're like, man, what's this shit all about? Yeah. I want to watch this stuff. Anyway, uh, we already know where it's headed, and you've kind of pointed to it. The next two episodes, the next four episodes, will they're going to gloss over a lot of stuff. Yeah, which is fine, but just know what you're watching. Know what you're watching, and also know, guys, this stuff's all out there. Like I said, and and again, it's but you know the uh, the thing again is like the hypocrisy of people. Like I just hate seeing the reaction to it. The hypocrisy of the people who like. You know, look at any story about, like, go to any tweet, like, put in at ESPN in your Twitter and then put in LeBron and pick from six months ago a tweet that ESPN wrote about LeBron and look under it. And the people go, You got, like, get his dick out of your mouth. What everything has to be about LeBron James. It's like, this is a 10 part Michael Jordan produced propaganda film shown by ESPN. The idea that ESPN props up or sucks off anybody in the history of sport more than Michael Jordan is is completely false. And look, just be aware of that. And and and, and this is what I want to encourage everybody to do. Not just this. Anything you watch, anything most things have a spin on it. Again, that's why I said Ken Burns kind of came out and took a shot at this, saying, like, it's not journalism. The 40-part Ken Burns documentary about the Civil War or the 40-part 
documentary about Vietnam, baseball Vietnam. or Vietnam or whatever. They're not that entertaining. Yeah. They're informational. Yeah. But you're not like, oh, shit. Because Ken Burns is the most straight-edge, boring fucking dude of all time. Yeah. Look, he's right. I watched... But, but that's the thing. It's a difference between making entertainment and making information. Doing journalism versus doing entertainment. Well, you're right. And I watched... The most recent Ken Burns one I watched was the Vietnam one. I believe it's 18 part. Yeah. Or maybe 11 part. And Joe's right. It's not the easiest to get through. But but his approach is he's going to show it all. Yeah. He's going to throw... They're going to throw Republicans, Democrats, whoever was president. Like, they threw them all under the bus. It's very transparent. That's That's the Ken Burns. And I like that. But Joe's right. It's not the most entertaining type of documentary. This is definitely way more entertaining, but it's also leaving a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Which is fine. But we're... Because they're, enter- they're trying to entertain people. Yeah. All right. There you have it, Joe. We, we did it. We did it. Another episode. Yes. One more. Another one in the books. One more episode. Before- By the way, next week, I, I want to preview it because next week we'll get the flip side of the coin. We have talked about it since you're going to be out of town. I'm bringing in a brainwashed 90s Jordan slurper. Lachlan Patterson. Lachlan Patterson. Uh, to Is he confirmed? He's confirmed. He's going to be here next week to promote his comedy special, which comes out tomorrow. And also, to he'll be, he'll be in place of you to review episodes 7 and 8. Great. And he is no doubt about it. He is, he, you know, he's a couple years older than me. He's even more like the thing. Like he was raised. I'm sure they the only games they showed in Canada were like Michael Jordan games. Yeah. The, the occasional Vancouver Grizzlies game. You know. I think I think his second favorite player of all time is Big Country. You know. <laughs> like he he is a hundred percent a brainwashed Jordan slurper. So he will be here to politely, uh, as Canadians are always, to politely defend Michael Jordan's. Uh, Horrible, horrible antics. Yeah, he's gonna be like, I'm sure he was sorry to get his father murdered. Well, good. That'll be next Monday. Yeah, but we, but I'll be here for one more episode on Thursday. So get those calls in. Three one zero three five nine eight three six five is the hotline. So get those calls in, and uh, that's the show. What are you pushing, Joe? Anything? No. At Joe Prano on Instagram, at Joe Prano on Venmo, uh, at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Uh, share share me all your stuff. I, I, a lot of people, the, the, what I like is across social media, whether it be uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, like the, the interaction that I have, especially with Dirt Balls, has been keeping uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, keeping me entertained a lot of this quarantine. So, yeah. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Good interactions. I agree. Well, guys, you know where to follow us at the Dirty Sports on all those things and at Andy Ruther for me. All right. That is the show. Thank you for your support. Thank you for all the Venmo donations. Thank you for Patreon. Thank you for everything, guys. Have a great week. We'll be back Thursday. And never forget, stay dirty. <laughs>